0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Right now, big things are going on at Collective as we are finishing the work on our own 24-7 space with the plan to be open by Easter. Until then, you can continue to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. God is moving at Collective and in the city of Frederick, so stay tuned so you can be up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved with what's next at Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. I asked people to send in tweets sharing some of the weird behaviors that they have along with the hashtag... Don't judge me. Here's some of the best ones. One tweet said, I alternate between different McDonald's for lunch so the employees don't think I eat there every day. Hashtag, don't judge me. I'm not gonna lie, this one hits a little too close to home for me. A few weeks ago, I was driving through Chick-fil-A with my girls, and instead of the employee starting off by asking me, can I have a name for this order, she said, okay, Michael, what would you like today? And I felt judged. Uh, they can at least pretend I don't drive through Chick-fil-A multiple times a week to make me feel better about my decision making. Uh, and listen, I go to Home Depot a lot because we're working on this building, and Chick-fil-A's right there, so leave me alone. Here are a few more. Uh, someone wrote, "I shake my step counter every evening, so it looks like I reached my step step goal for the day." #Hashtag Don't judge me. Another one: I told my kids that my ice cream was spicy, so I didn't have to share it with them. #Hashtag Don't judge me. Now, that's a pro move right there. All of you with little kids know that you can call anything spicy and get out of sharing it with them. Here's another one. Someone wrote, I keep a fork in my purse just in case cake happens. Hashtag, don't judge me. Here are a few of mine. Uh, I don't like the TV show Friends. Hashtag, don't judge me. I think the best way to eat a hot dog is plain with nothing on it. Don't judge me. When my neighbors leave their trash cans all over our complex parking lot, I intentionally try to hit them with my car to get them out of the way. Don't judge me. I think Valentine's Day is a made-up holiday, and I judge people for celebrating it. Don't judge me. Today, we're in week two of our series called Bad Lip Reading, where we're looking at some of the most notorious Christian one-liners. These are the phrases that you've heard before, whether you are a Christian or not. These are the phrases that maybe you've used before. These are the phrases that your grandma has stitched on her throw pillows that sit on her couch that's covered in plastic because she doesn't want you to get it dirty. But these are also phrases that are just a little bit off. And even though they sound spiritual, they're bad lip reading, so last week, we looked at the phrase, everything happens for a reason, and we learned that isn't actually what the Bible says. What scripture actually teaches us is that when we put our faith in Jesus, God can use the bad things that happen in our life for good if we let him. And today, we're talking about the phrase, don't judge. Now, Maybe you've heard it or said it like this, Jesus says, don't judge. That verse and that phrase are very much a part of our culture. In fact, if there's one verse in the Bible that just about everybody thinks they know, it's when Jesus said, don't judge. A few years ago, I was performing a wedding for a childhood friend of mine. And while we were at the rehearsal, the maid of honor seemed really thrown off by my tattoos. And I would go as far to say as that she didn't actually like them. And at one point during the rehearsal dinner, she came up to me without saying hi or introducing herself and quoted a verse from the Old Testament about tattoos. And she said, it seems a little weird that a pastor would just ignore that verse in the Bible. And of course, I had heard that verse before. And of course, I had already had interactions with people who absolutely butchered what the verse meant because it's actually talking about not getting tattoos to worship false gods. And it's not really about putting ink on your body. And as I began to explain that to her, she actually interrupted me and said, I'm sorry, Jesus said, don't judge, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And then she walked away. It was one of the weirder Bible conversations I've been a part of, because in less than two minutes, she managed to twist not only one, but two verses in the Bible. Because while Jesus did technically say, don't judge, it's a little more complicated than that. So here's what we're going to do today. And it's similar to last week. I'm gonna to read to you the Bible verse that people think they are quoting, and then I'm gonna break it down for us so we can better understand what Jesus was talking about. The verse that people are referencing is found in Matthew 7 in the Bible. The book of Matthew is a biography of Jesus. And from the start of Matthew 5 to the end of Matthew 7, Jesus is teaching his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, And right after Jesus finished up his section about money and possessions, he starts talking about judgment. And this is what he says, starting in verse one. He says, do not judge others. Now, if we pause right there, we're good. And that's what people intentionally and unintentionally do with Jesus all the time. They take parts that they like and they ignore the rest. But we're not gonna do that. We're gonna keep reading. So Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. So you see, it isn't as simple as don't judge because what Jesus is actually teaching people who follow him, if you judge harshly, you will be judged harshly. If you judge irrationally, you will be judged irrationally; If you judge hatefully, you will be judged hatefully you will be treated as you treat others. In fact, just a few verses later, Jesus says in verse 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule. So while Jesus is talking about judgment, what he's actually teaching Christians is to treat others the same way that they would like to be treated. And Jesus didn't invent the golden rule. Actually, Jesus was just rephrasing a very famous saying that had been around for hundreds of years. But before Jesus, the saying actually went like this, don't treat others the way you don't like to be treated. In fact, every major religion in the world has some form of the golden rule. The thing that makes it different when Jesus says it than every other major religion is they phrase it from the negative position. So Confucius says, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. In ancient Egypt, it was that which you hate to be done to you, do not do to another. In ancient Greece, it was do not do to others what would anger you if done to you by others. And in ancient Rome, it was expect from others what you did to them. So Jesus changes it from the negative perspective, from the don't do bad things to people perspective, right? Because he's not talking about karma. He's not talking about you get what you deserve. He's talking about Christians making the world a better place by treating people well because that is how we want to be treated. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's saying you go first, you set the tone, treat others the way that you want to be treated, judge others the way that you want to be judged. So this isn't carte blanche for Christians to run around throwing judgment in people's faces. This is just another way for Jesus to teach his followers that they really need to love people Well, and trust me, I have met Christians who twist the full version of this verse as well. I've met Christian people who will say, I'm allowed to judge them for this specific sin and Jesus can judge me all he wants for that sin because I don't struggle with it, right? Some Christians will judge others for their sexual sins while they're married in a faithful and monogamous relationship. Some Christians will judge others for their addictions because they're sober, Some Christians will judge others for their lying because they believe they are honest. But this verse isn't about specific sins. It's about the way that we treat people. Check out what Jesus continued to say in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. He continued, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Right? So you can judge all you want, but before you do that, check yourself. Deal with your own sin first. Deal with your own shortcomings first. Deal with your own issues first. And once you get that right, which you never will, then you can judge others. But even if you get to that point, you judge them the way that you want to be judged. When I was in elementary school, we used to play a game called Dirty Backyard. And what the teachers would do is they'd set up a volleyball net at the half-court line on one of the outdoor basketball courts. Then they would take pretty much every Nerf ball they had, and they'd put them in the middle underneath the net. Volleyballs, footballs, softballs, dodgeballs, whatever. If it was made out of foam, it was on the basketball court. Then they'd have all the students line up on the baselines. And on the count of three, you'd sprint toward the middle. You'd grab as many of the foam balls as you could and you'd throw them to the other side. And the goal was to throw everything into the other person's backyard in order to win. And I remember this game because as a kid, I loved it. Uh, as a baseball player, I could easily throw everything over hundred feet. So I'd chuck it as far as I could and make them run as far as I could make them run so that we could win. But as a child, I never understood the metaphor for life but how real does this example feel? Right? You have junk in your own yard. You have your own baggage, your own problems. But instead of dealing with it, you pick it up and you chuck it as far as you can into someone else's. Right? Instead of dealing with our own mess, our own sin, our own pride, our own bitterness, our own unfaithfulness, our own insecurities, our own junk, we pick it up and throw it as far as we can into someone else's life, then we look at them and tell them that they have something to deal with. But Jesus teaches, deal with your own backyard first. Deal with your own mess. Look at the log in your own eye before calling out the speck in someone else's. Check yourself first. right? We criticize others when we have far more serious shortcomings in our own lives. So before you judge someone, you need to ask yourself, what do I need to do to deal with my own issues? Right. What do I need to deal with in my own life today, right now? Like, What are the things that I've gotta work through right now? And then spend your time and energy on your own sin before trying to force someone else to deal with theirs. Focus on how you are living before how other people live. And I know that isn't as much fun If you can't judge people, what are you going to talk about with your friends? What are you going to do while you're out in public at the grocery store? What are you going to do to make yourself feel better when you're struggling with your own issues? If you can't judge people, what's the point of social media? Well, instead of focusing on other people and how they are living, we need to focus on how we are living. There's a verse in Micah 6 that helps us do that. Micah was a prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And prophets were people that God spoke to that they could then deliver a message to their people. And so Micah did that for the people of Israel. And then Micah wrote a very tiny book in the Bible. And this might be the most important thing that he said. This is what he wrote in Micah 6. He says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. So this is what God requires of people who follow Jesus. He continues, He continues, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God doesn't require you to be the judge of other people. He'll take care of that. God doesn't require you to be the morality police. God doesn't require you to look down on people who are struggling in order to lift yourself up. God doesn't require that of you. God requires you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So do what is right. And the Bible teaches us to hate what is evil, but we also want to go beyond that to actually helping solve problems, right? We wanna go beyond hating evil to doing what is right. One time Jesus tells his followers in John 13, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And that's kind of confusing because it wasn't really a new command. God had been telling people for thousands of years to love other people. But what Jesus is doing and what he's saying is all the other commandments that you've heard are now old. This is the new one. This is Commandments 2.0. This is the new command because it's the only command. Love others. Love people who are broken. Love people who are sinful. Love people who are lost. Love people and do it sacrificially. And one of the reasons I like what Micah said in this verse is because Micah tells us not just to hate evil. That's kind of easy. He says, go beyond that and do what is right, right? Because love isn't just a feeling, love acts. If you hate evil, that's just a feeling. But Micah says, go beyond that and do something about the problem and do the next right thing. Take a step, step again. It's all that we can to do the next right thing. Sorry, I watch Frozen like 50 times a week. Don't judge me. And this is yet another reason we need God's word in our lives because God is righteous, right? God is the definition of righteousness. So if you want to do what is right, you need to be connected to the only one who is perfectly righteous. Think about this. Who am I going to trust when it comes to the right thing? me and my sinful state, you and your sinful state, or perfect God, the creator of everything. Because in our pursuit of doing what is right, if we turn to the news or podcasts or social media or best-selling authors more than the God who saved us, more than the God who defines what is good, more than the scriptures he gave us, we will miss it. Please, do not listen to a sociologist give their opinion on what is right Listen to God who gave the standard on it. Because any righteousness that is based on sinful human opinion rather than on a perfect and just God is not right. Allow God to teach you what is right and follow his lead in doing so. Not mine, not a social media influencer, not your grandma, not even your own heart. God. So we do what is right. And the second thing is the love mercy And just a reminder, mercy is not getting what you deserve. I've experienced a lot of mercy in my life. When I was in high school, I wrote a paper that was about 90% plagiarized. Uh, My mom's watching at home right now, and she's very upset with me. I'm sorry, mom, but I did. I woke up one day, and I realized that I had a paper due. So I did what any ninth grader would do, and I hopped on the internet. And I copy and pasted whole chunks of information from different websites, and then I turned it in. What I didn't know at the time was that there were actual websites created that teachers used to check for plagiarism. So mine got flagged. So a few days later my teacher told everyone that the papers were graded but she wasn't gonna give them back because two students, I wasn't the only one, two students had plagiarized and she wanted to give them a chance to do the honorable thing and fess up. Now that was the first time that my teacher showed mercy. She could have handed the test back and she could have thrown me and the other guy under the bus, embarrassing us in front of all of our peers, but she didn't. So after school that day, I went to her room to tell her the truth. I cheated, but she wasn't there. And my first thought was that I should run and never look back, but instead I left her a note and told her that I was sorry. The next day after class, I stayed and we had a conversation and she actually gave me a chance to rewrite my paper for a lower grade. To this day, I still don't know why she treated me so well, but she showed me mercy. She didn't give me what I deserved, which was an F on the project and a referral to the principal because I had broken the code of conduct, right? That's mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. I love what Micah says because it takes care of another confusion about Christians judging. See, Jesus says you look in the mirror first, but Christians are actually challenged to call out sin in other Christians. Paul says this in a letter to the church in Corinth where he encourages them to stop ignoring the sin that's all around them. But Paul doesn't want condemnation. He doesn't want hypocrisy. He wants the church in Corinth to call sin, sin. One author said it this way, toleration of sin is sinful. But the overriding thing, like we talked about earlier, is to love one another. So Micah says, go beyond hating sin to doing what is right. But he also says, go beyond loving judgment to a place of loving mercy. Now, typically we want mercy, but we want others to get judgment. But Micah says to flip it. You do what is right, and you love when others get mercy. And I know that sounds hard, so the question is, how do we do that? And the key is in the last phrase of what Micah says. He says, walk humbly, right? This this really is the thing that encompasses all of it. Now, some people misunderstand humility, so let me explain. Some people think that arrogance is thinking too highly of yourself, and so humility must be thinking really low of yourself. But the truth is, that's just insecurity. Humility is thinking accurately of yourself. And if you follow Jesus, and you are in tune to the goodness of God, you will also be in tune to the ways that you fall short. So then as you do what is right and you love mercy, it's not out of anger, it's not out of arrogance, it's out of a genuine love to serve and help other people. And it's done humbly. It's done recognizing that we are no better than anyone else and we need mercy just as much as the next person You see, the main reason we choose not to judge is because of the fact that we ourselves are sinful and deserve judgment. We fall short of what God teaches every single day. We are broken. We have violated God's perfect law. As Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, I am the worst of sinners. And even though I personally constantly disobey God, even though I struggle to fully trust him, even though I am a fallen individual, there is good news. Because do you know who loves mercy? God. So Jesus died in our place so we could experience that, so that we could be set free. That's why Jesus says in John 12, I have come to save the world, not to judge it. When Jesus says this, he's actually talking about people who accept or reject him. He actually goes on to explain that at the end of the day, God will be the ultimate judge for every single person, right? That it's not the Christian's job to judge. But he also explains that his goal isn't judgment, but salvation. Jesus's desire isn't that you are judged for what you did wrong, but that you are saved from your own sin. That's why he came to earth. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, I wanna talk to you directly right now. I don't know why you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you walked away from faith because of the judgment of another Christian. And I, I don't know what happened there. Maybe it was someone who didn't love mercy, Maybe they thought they were the morality police. Maybe they were a hypocrite and called you out for something that was going on in their own life while ignoring their own issues. I don't know. I do know that Christians mess up all the time. But my hope and my prayer is that you don't turn away from all Christians because of a few that chose judgment before mercy. That you don't walk away from your faith. That you don't walk away from Jesus because of what they did or said or didn't do because Jesus loves you and Jesus loves mercy and Jesus is humble. And more than anything, he wants to give you new life. Jesus came to live and die on this earth for us, for you. Not so he could judge you, but so that he could save you and give you a more fulfilling life. And truth is, some of you have been putting off following him because of what happened to you in the past. But I think there's a reason why you're watching online today. And I believe that is to hear and be reminded that Jesus actually wants what is best for you. He wants you to experience mercy. He wants you to experience grace. He wants you to put your faith in him so that he can save you. And so the challenge today is to stop waiting and check the baptism box, and let's start talking about what it looks like to take a step toward Jesus and toward faith. And the last thing I wanna say is for people who follow Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, this week we need to take that verse from Micah to heart. Let's focus on doing what is right. Let's love mercy. Let's walk humbly. Because we know, we know that we are the worst of sinners and if anyone deserves judgment, it's us. But instead we got grace. And more than judgment, that's what we should want other people to experience. We want people to experience endless second chances. We want people to experience something better than they deserve. Not judgment, but mercy. Let's pray. God, we don't understand why um, you show us mercy. God, we don't understand why you show us grace because the truth is we're sinful. We are the worst of sinners. We have so many things in our life that lead us away from you. But as we read and as you said, you sent your son to save us, not to judge us, so God, I pray this week as we wrestle with this idea of judgment, uh, maybe we've got some people in our life that are doing something wrong. Maybe maybe we've been judging people for a long time. God, I pray this is the week that we move toward what Micah said. We focus on doing what is right. We love mercy and we walk humbly. And God, I pray for those who are watching today or who will watch later on the week who don't follow you. Maybe they've been turned off by the judgment of Christians. Maybe... They're scared of your your judgment. God, whatever it may be, I I pray this week, um, those wheels start turning and they begin to realize that Jesus came to give grace. Jesus came to give endless second chances. Jesus came to give mercy, something that we don't deserve. But that's why he came. So God, I pray this week for those who don't follow Jesus, instead of waiting or instead of holding on to some past pain that other people brought into your life, they choose to own their own faith and own their own relationship with you and move toward what you wanted for them, which was for them to be saved. God, we thank you for the mercy that you show us. We thank you for the love that you give us. God, I pray as a church, we can bring that into the community. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.